Hello and welcome to D&D Learning the Game. I'm your host, Jason DM, and today we are going to be covering the wizard class as it's covered in the player's handbook. So today I will be covering uh, creating a wizard from levels 1 to 3 and I will only cover up to level 3 in terms of proficiency, spells, and any of the extra features that you get when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so this is more aimed at anyone for, say, the first time that you're going to be playing this class, or maybe it's the first time that you've even decided to look over the wizard class within Dungeons and Dragons. So I'll read through uh, the, the wizard class section of the player's handbook, and then I will give a quick rundown on how to play this class um, so say if you listen to this episode before you play your first ever wizard uh, game it's just there as a kind of more of a tutorial and a bit of an idea sharing podcast so today we are opening at page 112 of the player's handbook and it starts wizard clad in the silver robes that denote her station. An elf closes her eyes to shut out the distractions of the battlefield and begins her quiet chant. Fingers weaving in front of her, she completes her spell and launches a tiny bead of fire towards the enemy ranks, where it erupts into a conflagration that engulfs the soldiers. Checking and rechecking, his work, a human scribes an intricate magic circle in chalk on the bare stone floor, then sprinkles powdered iron along every line and graceful curve. When the circle is complete, he drones a long incantation, a hole opens up in space inside the circle, bringing a whiff of brimstone from the otherworldly plane beyond. Crouching on the floor in a dungeon intersection, a gnome tosses a handful of small bones inscribed with mystic symbols, muttering a few words of power over them. Closing his eyes to see the visions more clearly, he nods slowly, then opens his eyes and points down the passage to his left. Wizards are supreme magic users. Defined and united as a class by the spells they cast. Drawing on the subtle weave of magic that permeates the cosmos, wizards cast spells of explosive fire, arsing lighting, subtle deception and brute force mind control. Their magic conjures monsters from other planes of existence, glimpses the future, or turns slain foes into zombies. Their mightiest spells change one substance into another, call meteors down from the sky, or open portals to other worlds. Scholars of the Arcane, wild, enigmatic, Varied in form and function, the power of magic draws students who seek to master its mysteries. Some aspect to become like the 
so, sorry, some aspire to become like the gods shaping reality itself, though the casting of a typical spell requires merely the utterance of a few strange words, fleeting gestures, and sometimes a pinch or clump of exotic materials. These surface components barely hint at the expertise attained after years of apprenticeship and countless hours of study. Wizards live and die by their spells. Everything else is secondary. They learn new spells as they experiment and grow in experience. They can also learn them from other wizards, from ancient tomes or inscriptions and from ancient creatures such as the Fae that are steeped in magic. The lure of knowledge. Wizards' lives are seldom mundane. The closest a wizard is likely to come to an ordinary life is working as a sage or lecturer in a library or university, teaching others the secrets of the multiverse. Other wizards sell their services as diviners, serve in military forces, or pursue lives of crime or domination. But the lure of knowledge and power calls even the most unadventurous wizards out of the safety of their libraries and laboratories and into crumbling ruins and lost cities. Most wizards believe that their counterparts in ancient civilizations knew secrets of magic that have been lost into the ages, and discovering those secrets could unlock the path to a power greater than any magic available in the present age. Creating a wizard. Creating a wizard character demands a backstory dominated by at least one extraordinary event. How did your character first come into contact with magic? How did, how did you discover you had an aptitude for it? Do you have a natural talent or did you simply study hard and practice incessantly? Did you encounter a, a magical creature or an ancient tome that taught you the basics of magic? What drew you forth from your life of study? Did your first taste of magical knowledge leave you hungry for more? Have you received word of a secret repository of knowledge not yet plundered by any other wizard? Perhaps you're simply eager to put your newfound magical skills to the test in the face of danger. So it goes into the quick build. Um, so I'll cover that first before going over the table for the wizard. So quick, quick build. You can make a wizard quickly by following these suggestions. First, intelligence should be your highest ability score, followed by constitution or dexterity. If you plan to join the School of Enchantment, make Charisma your next best score. Second, choose the Sage background. Third, choose the Mage Hand, Light and Ray of Frost cantrips, along with the following first level spells for your spellbook. Burning Hands, Charm Person, Feather Fall, Mage Armor, Magic Missile and Sleep. So just before I go into the class features, I'll quickly go over the table just so that you know what you gain. Uh, so at first level, your proficiency bonus will be plus two. Take a note of that. It stays the same all the way through first, second and third. 
The features that you'll gain at first level is the ability to spell cast and you'll also gain arcane recovery. You'll know three cantrips and at first level you'll know two first level spell slots. At second level your proficiency bonus will be plus two and the feature that you will gain then is a arcane tradition. The cantrips that you'll know is still three and at first level your sorry at second level your first level spell slots that you'll have available will be three and then at third level your proficiency bonus stays at plus two you don't gain any gain any features cantrips that you'll know still three first level spell slots you'll have available are four and you'll now have two spell slots available at second level that you can cast so class features as a wizard you gain the following class features Hit points. Your hit dice is 1d6 per wizard level. So at first level, that will be 6 plus your constitution modifier. Hit points at a higher level will be 1d6, or you can take the average of 4 plus your constitution modifier per wizard level after first. Proficiencies. Armor. None. You're a wizard. You aren't proficient in armor. Uh... Weapons are daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaffs, and light crossbows. Tools, none. Your saving throws will be intelligence and wisdom, and the skills that you have to choose are two from the following. Arcana, history, insight, investigation, medicine, and religion. If I could recommend two, I would say arcana and... Insight, possibly investigation. You're probably playing an intelligent character, someone who's inquisitive, someone who's studious. So usually insight or investigation, maybe history and arcana, depending on what what kind of slant you want to take your wizard down. If you're maybe wanting to play a religious wizard, then by all means go for religion. If you're wanting to play some sort of medic, healing-based uh, wizard, you could uh, choose medicine as well. Uh, the another we note for you is if you choose armor to be uh, sorry, if you're going to try to put an armor on your wizard, I think the rules do state that uh, your spell casting becomes restricted based on the armor that you're wearing. So just check that out and make sure that you're not one cheating or two restricting yourself in case the dm deems that you're not actually able to cast any spells with that type of armor that you're wearing so next part is the uh, equipment that you start with so you will start with either a quarter staff or a dagger you'll start with a component pouch or a arcane focus you'll also start with a scholar's pack or an explorer's pack and lastly, you will have a spell book. So, spell casting, we're on page 114. As a student of arcane magic, you have a spell book containing spells that show the first glimmerings of your true power. See chapter 10 for the general rules of spell casting and chapter 11 for the wizard spell list. Uh, I've previously done a spell casting podcast so you can go back and listen to that to get the rules on spell casting which i think does mention about the uh, armor that i'm 
trying to remember right now, but I can't. So you'll need to go listen to that podcast to get the, the rules on that. But yes, you can also look at chapter 11 or just look on Google, type in saying uh, wizard spell list D&D 5e and it will come up with that make it nice and easy for you so cantrips at first level you know three cantrips of your choice from the wizard spell list you learn additional wizard cantrips of your choice at higher level levels as shown in the cantrips known column of the wizard table your spell book so the spells that you add to your spell book as you gain levels reflect the arcane research you conduct on your own as well as intellectual breakthroughs you have had about the nature of the multiverse. You might find other spells during your adventures. You could discover a spell recorded on a scroll in an evil wizard's chest, for example, or in a dusty tome in an ancient library. Copying a spell into your book. When you find a wizard's spell of first level or higher, you can add it to your spell book. If it is of a spell level you can prepare, and if you can spare the time to decipher and copy it. Copying the spell into your spell book involves repro- reproducing the basic form of the spell, then de- deciphering the unique system of notation used by the wizard who wrote it. You must practice the spell until you understand the sounds or gestures required then transcribe it into your spell book using your own notation. For each level of the spell, the process takes two hours and costs 50 gold pieces. The cost represents the material components you expend as you experiment with the spell to master it, as well as the fine inks you need to record it. Once you have spent this time and money, you can prepare the spell just like your other spells. So, just a wee note on that. If you decide that you are going to copy a spell into your book, it's going to take at least two hours. So you could technically do it while the rest of the players are doing a short or long rest. I would suggest that if you're going to copy any spells into your book, you may want to do it when everyone's going to sleep for the night, having a rest at an inn, or if you're maybe finding that the 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 adventure that you've just completed happens to be wrapping up when you are in a town. You could say, hey guys, could we maybe take a week uh, where we've spent time in this town to get to know everyone, yada, yada, yada. And it also allows me to learn all the spells that we've picked up. So, yeah, and it also makes sense that the, the costs of the 50 gold pieces will go towards experimenting with it and using the fine inks, uh, which are all things that you would find find in any village, town, city that you'll come across. So the next part it mentions is replacing the book. You can copy a spell from your own spell book into another book. For example, if you want to make a backup copy of your spell book, this is just like copying a new spell into your spell book, but faster and easier. Since you understand your own notation and already know how to cast the spell, you need to spend only one hour and ten gold pieces for each level of the copied spell. If you lose your spell book, you can use the same procedure to transcribe the spells that you have prepared into a new spell book. Filling out the remainder of your spell book requires you to find new spells to do so, 
as normal. For this reason, many wizards keep backup spell books in a safe place. Always worth noting, and the book is basically telling you there, make a backup replacement of your spell book, because if you lose that, you are done. The book's appearance. Your spell book is a unique compilation of spells with its own decorative flourishes and margin notes. It might be a pain functional uh, sorry, it might be a plain functional leather volume that you received as a gift from your master, a finely bound gilt edged tome you found in an ancient library, or even a loose collection of notes scrounged together after you lost your previous spell book in a mishap. So spell book. Let's actually cover it now that we've talked about it for the last two minutes. At first level, you have a spell book containing six first level wizard spells of your choice. Your spell book is the repository of the wizard spells you know, except your cantrips, which are fixed in your mind. So preparing and casting spells. The wizard table shows how many spell slots you have to cast your spells of first level or higher. To cast one of these spells, you must expend a slot of the spells level or higher. You regain all expended spell slots when you finish a long rest. You prepare the list of wizard spells that are available to you to cast. To do so, choose a number of wizard spells from your spellbook equal to your intelligence modifier plus your wizard level. This will be to a minimum of one spell. The spells must be of a level for which you have spell slots. For example, if you're a third level wizard, you have four first level spell slots and two second level spell slots. With an intelligence of 16, your list of prepared spells can include six spells of first or second level in any combination chosen from your spellbook. So if you prepare a first level spell, um, Magic Missile, you can cast it using a first level or even a second level slot. Casting the spell doesn't remove it from your list of prepared spells. You can change your list of prepared spells when you finish a long rest. Preparing a new list of wizard spells requires time spent studying your spellbook and memorizing the incantations and gestures you must make to cast the spell. This will be at least one minute per spell level for each spell on your list. So spell casting ability. Intelligence is your spell casting ability for your wizard spells, since you learn your spells through dedicated study and memorization. You use your intelligence whenever a spell refers to your spell casting ability. In addition, you use your intelligence modifier when setting the saving throw DC difficulty check for a wizard spell you cast and when making an attack roll with one. So your spell save di difficulty check is equal to 8 plus your proficiency bonus, which is plus 2, plus your intelligence modifier. So that'll be 10 plus whatever your intelligence modifier is. And then your spell attack modifier is 2 plus your intelligence modifier. Please take a note of that on your spell casting sheets because you will need that information at some point. Even if you just put it at the top, there should be, if you're using the conventional sheets off of the D&D Beyond website, there should be a box at the top of the spell 
casting lists or your spell lists for you to take a wee note of those numbers. So ritual casting. You can cast a wizard spell as a ritual if that spell has the ritual tag and you have the spell in your spell book. You don't need to have the spell prepared. Spell casting focus. You can use an arcane focus, see chapter 5 for equipment, as a spell casting focus for your wizard spells. Learning spells of first level or higher. So each time you gain a wizard level, you can add two wizard spells of your choice to your spell book for free. Each of these spells must be of a level for which you have spell slots as shown on the wizard table. On your adventures, you might find other spells that you can add to your spell book. See the your spell book side, side bar. We've already talked about that. And that's really it for in terms of what you might be able to learn as you go through um, the, the the world of D&D. Arcane recovery. So you've learned to regain some of your magical energy by studying your spell book. Once per day, when you finish a short rest, you can choose expand, expended spell slots to recover. The spell slots can have a combined level that is equal to or less than half your wizard level rounded up, and none of those slots can be 6th level or higher. For example, if you're a 4th level wizard, you can recover up to 2 levels worth of spell slots. You can recover either a 2nd level spell slot or 2 1st level spell slots. So that's only when you finish a short rest. Arcane Tradition. When you reach 2nd level, you choose an arcane tradition, shaping your practice of magic through one of eight skills. Abjuration, conjuration, divination, enchantment, evocation, illusion, necromancy, and transmutation, all detailed at the end of the class description. Your choice grants you features at second level and then again at set. 6th, 10th and 14th. So ability score improvements only come at 4th level and now we can skip the rest of all the writing down to arcane traditions. So arcane traditions. The study of wizardry is ancient, stretching back to the earliest mortal discoveries of magic. It is firmly established in the worlds of D&D with various traditions dedicated to its complex study. The most common arcane traditions in the multiverse revolve around the schools of magic. Wizards through the ages have catalogued thousands of spells, grouping them into eight categories called schools, as described in chapter 10. In some places, these traditions are literally schools. A wizard might study at the school, school of illusion, while Another studies across town at the School of Enchantment. In other institutions, the schools are more like academic departments with rival faculties competing for students and funding. Even wizards who train apprentices in the solitude of their own towers use the divisions of magic into schools as a learning device, since the spells of each school require mastery of different techniques. So... The School of Abjuration. The School of Abjuration emphasises magic that blocks, banishes or protects. Detractors of this school say that its tradition is about denial, negation rather than 
positive assertion. You understand, however, that ending harmful effects, protecting the weak and banishing evil influences is uh, anything but a philosophical void. It is a proud and respected vocation. Called abjurers, members of this school are sought when baleful spirits require exorcism, when important locations must be guarded against magical spying, and when portals to other planes of existence must be closed. Abjuration savant. So, so beginning when you select a school at second level, the gold and time you must spend to copy an abjuration spell into your book is halved. So that's pretty sweet. 25 gold pieces and one hour is all it'll take per level of the spell. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, arcane wand, starting at second level. Sorry, arcane ward, not wand, ward. Starting at second level, you can weave magic around yourself for protection. When you cast an abjuration spell of first level or higher, you can simultaneously use a strand of the spell's magic to create a magical ward on yourself that lasts until you finish a long rest. The ward has a hit point maximum equal to twice your wizard level, plus your intelligence modifier. Whenever you take damage, the ward takes the damage instead. If this damage reduces the ward to zero hit points, you take any remaining damage. While the ward has zero hit points, it can't absorb damage. But it rem its magic remains. Whenever you cast an abjuration spell of first level or higher, the ward regains a number of hit points equal to twice the level of the spell. Once you create the ward, you can't create it again until you finish a long rest. That can be quite powerful at protecting yourself. Um, so that's that's definitely worth having. If this is the first time that you're going to be playing uh, a wizard, that's a pretty sweet way of keeping yourself safe during any fights. So the next bit is the school of conjuration. As a conjurer, you favour spells that produce objects and creatures out of thin air. You can conjure billowing clouds of killing fog or summon creatures from elsewhere to fight on your behalf. As your mastery grows, you learn spells of transportation and can teleport yourself across vast distances, even to other planes of existence in an instant. Conjuration Savant Beginning when you select a skill at second level, the golden time you must spend to copy a conjuration spell into your spellbook is halved. Minor conjuration. Starting at second level, when you select this skill, you can use your action to conjure up an inanimate object in your hand or on the ground in an unoccupied space that you can see within 10 feet of you. This object can be no larger than three feet on a, on a side and weigh no more than 10 pounds. And its form must be that of a non-magical object that you have seen. The object is visibly magical, radiating dim light out, out to five feet. 
the object disappears after one hour when you use this feature again or if it takes or deals any damage. Next is the School of Divination. The Council of a Div Divineer is sought by royalty and commoners alike, for all seek a clearer understanding of the past, present and future. As a divineer, you strive to part the veils of space, time and consciousness so that you can see clearly. You work to master spells of discernment, remote viewing, supernatural knowledge and foresight. Divination Savant, beginning when you select this skill at second level, the gold and time you must spend to copy a divination spell into your spellbook is halved. Portent. Starting at second level, when you choose this skill, glimpses of the future begin to press into your awareness. When you finish a long rest, roll two d20s and record the number rolled. You can replace any attack roll, save and throw, or ability check by, made by you or a creature that you can see with one of these foretelling rolls. You must choose to do so before the roll, and you can replace a roll in this way only once per turn. Each foretelling roll can only be used once. When you finish a long rest, you lose any unused foretelling rolls. School of Enchantment. As a member of the School of Enchantment, you have honed your ability to magically entrance and beguile other people and monsters. Some enchanters are peacemakers who bewitch the violent to lay down their arms and charm the cruel into showing mercy. Others are tyrants who magically bind the unwilling into their service. Most enchanters fall somewhere in between. So enchantment savant, beginning when you select this school at second level, the gold and time you must spend to copy an enchantment spell into your spellbook is halved. Hypnotic gaze. Starting at second level, when you choose this school, your soft words and enchanting gaze can magically enthrall another creature. As an action, choose one creature that you can see within five feet of you. If the target can see or hear you, it must succeed a wisdom saving throw against your wizard spell save DC or be charmed by you until the end of your next turn. The charmed creature's speed drops to zero and the creature is incapacitated and visibly dazed. On subsequent turns, you can use your action to maintain this effect, extending its duration until the end of your turn. However, the effect ends if you move more than five feet away from the creature, if the creature can neither see nor hear you, or if the creature takes damage. Once the effect ends, or if the creature succeeds on its initial saving throw against this effect, you can't use this feature on the creature again until you finish a long rest. So far, quite a lot of these uh, second level abilities that you're gaining are quite powerful. Um, I'm going to continue on with the school of evocation. You focus your study on magic that creates powerful elemental effects such as bitter cold, searing flame, rolling thunder, crackling lighting and burning acid. Some 
evokers find employment in military forces serving as artillery to blast enemy armies from afar. Others use their spectacular power to perform to protect the weak, while some seek their their own gain as bandits, adventurers, or aspiring tyrants. Evocation savant. So, beginning when you select a skill at second level, the golden time you must spend to copy an evocation spell in your spellbook is halved. Sculpt spells. Beginning at second level, when you create pockets of relative safety within the effects of your evocation spells. So you can create pockets of relative safety within the effects of your evocation spells. So when you cast an evocation spell that affects other creatures that you can see, you can choose a number of them equal to one plus the spell's level. The chosen creatures automatically succeed on their saving throws against the spell and they take no damage if they would normally take half damage on a successful save. Fair enough. That means your friendlies can be in an area if you're doing anything that's doing a bit of area damage. So the next is on page 118, the School of Illusion. You focus your studies on magic that dazzles the senses, befuddles the mind, and tricks even the wisest folk. Your magic is subtle, but the illusions crafted by your keen mind make the impossible seem real. Some illusionists, including many gnome wizards, are benign tricksters who use their spells to entertain. Others are more sinister masters of deception, using their illusions to frighten and fool others for their own personal gain. So you become an illusion savant beginning when you select a skill at second level, the golden time you must spend to copy an illusion spell into your spellbook is halved. Improved Minor Illusion. When you choose this skill at second level, you learn the Minor Illusion cantrip. If you already know this cantrip, you learn a different wizard cantrip of your choice. The cantrip doesn't count against your number of cantrips known. When you cast Minor Illusion, you can create both a sound and an image with a single casting of the spell. Next is the School of Necromancy. The School of Necromancy explores the cosmic forces of life, death and undeath. As you focus your studies in this tradition, you learn to manipulate the energy that animates all living things. As you progress, you learn to sap the life force from a creature of, as you your magic destroys its body, transforming that vital energy into magical power you can manipulate. Most people see necromancers as menacing or even villainous due to the close association with death. Not all necromancers are evil, but the forces they manipulate are considered taboo by many societies. So if you're a necromancy savant, uh, beginning when you select this school at second level, the gold and time you must spend to copy a necromancy spell in your spellbook is halved. Grim Harvest. At second level, you gain the ability to reap life energy from creatures you kill with your spells. Once per turn, when you kill one or more creatures with a spell of first level or higher, you regain hit points equal to twice the spell's level or three times its level. If the spell belongs to the school of necromancy, you don't gain this benefit from killing constructs or undead. So basically it needs to be something that's alive by natural means. Um... Also take a wee note there that it's saying 
that's when you use a when you kill a creature with a spell of first level or higher it's not saying through a cantrip so i don't think you're actually able to gain any benefits from killing someone with a cantrip but that might be wrong just check check with your dm see what they allow uh, but that's a little bit of a kind of uh, something that i'm picking up even from just reading that there and it'd be worth i'd need to look up online actually to see whether or not a cantrip can gain anything from grim harvest check that in uh, google if you've got any concerns about that one next is the school of transmutation you're a student of spells that modify energy and matter to you the world is not a fixed thing but eminently mutable and you delight in being an agent of change you wield the raw stuff of creation and learn to alter both physical forms and mental qualities. Your magic gives you the tools to become a smith on reality's forge. Some transmuters are tinkerers and pranksters, turning people into toads and transforming copper into silver for fun and occasional profit. Others pursue their magical studies with deadly seriousness, seeking the power of the gods to make and destroy worlds. So a transmutant savant, beginning when you select this school at second level, the gold and time you must spend to copy a transmutation spell into your spell book is halved. Minor alchemy. Starting at second level, when you select this school, you can temporarily alter the physical properties of one non-magical object, changing it from one substance into another. You perform a special alchemical procedure on one object composed entirely of wood stone but not a gemstone iron copper or silver transforming it into a different one of those materials for each 10 minutes you spend performing the procedure you can transform up to one cubic foot of material after one hour or until you lose your concentration as if it were a concentrating as if you were concentrating on a spell the material reverts to its original substance so that's after one hour next is shape changer oh wait no <laughs> you gain that at 10th level as part of transmutation and that's it that is us read over the different schools and what you would gain at second level depending on which school you choose to follow and to be honest that's probably the easiest spell casting class that i've read over it's pretty easy to understand from the different uh, skills that you can choose from i presume that it gets a little bit more complicated but it's good that they've broke it down into different schools and it means that as you 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 continue on you'll you'll only really start to gain spells within that uh, particular school as well as gaining the spells from your spell list now it's it's no secret that when you're playing a wizard that you are potentially one of the most strongest players in the group depending on what you do with your spells now I haven't looked over the spell list, but I can assure you that the spells that you're probably going to have are very powerful. 
depending on how you use them. And again, looking at these arcane traditions, depending on how you want to play your character and where you think you could come in most how you where you could come in most handy most effective would depend on how you want to play this how you want to play this game so I, i'm I, I, as me as soon as i read the school of abjuration and seen that you could get essentially something that's a lot like mage armor but probably more powerful than mage armor the arcane ward that was all up my street and that's because i'm a player who is always thinking about right if i if i'm a wizard i want to make sure that i just don't die immediately if you're even second level let's face it your your highest that you're gonna have in terms of hp can be about 12 maybe 14 depending on what your constitution's at I mean that's that's pretty easy to be killed. That's two that's two hits. If you're up against an wizard, it can be one hit, depending on what spell they do and how powerful they are. You know, you're pretty squishy. Your AC it will be just a basic AC. You'll need to even go and work that out. It doesn't tell you what your AC is, but you've got no armor. So I'm sure if you looked up. What is your base AC? It'll tell you um, on Google as well for you to work that one out. But yeah, um, if I, so, if 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 you're a new player and you're looking for some ideas, I think the book is gave you pretty decent first level spells to choose from: Burning Hands, Charm Person. Featherfall, Magic Armor, Magic Missile, and Sleep. Sleep is probably one of the most effective uh, abilities, spells, sorry, that you'll have. Um, Burning Hands is awesome. Charm Person, handy to have. Featherfall, always handy to have, again, in social situations or when you're adventuring. Mage Armor, always handy to pull out. Magic Missile, a classic of any uh, wizard class within a, a fantasy game that you could play through. Other than that, I've already said I would choose something arcana as one of your main skills and then go for investigation insight so that you're quite handy for uh, discovering or identifying what certain items are or what a particular building is, etc. And then if you're going second level, I would recommend choosing the School of Abjuration if it's your first time playing a wizard so then that you can pull out that ward and just keep yourself well protected whenever you use a abjuration spell so that would also put me in the mindset of saying to you to make sure that you've got a few abjuration spells ready to go um and and you're also allowed three first level spells so when you're at second level you're allowed three first level spells so make sure that at least two or three of them are an ab abjuration spell so that you can uh, use that uh, ward and pull it onto yourself. Other than that, I, th I think I've covered everything to do with uh, being a wizard. It's like I said, they've laid this out very easy to understand. And having just read through it all there, I feel like I could, I could very easily uh, slip into being a wizard. And yeah, um, 
I think that's us covered everything that we need to cover. <laughs> it's so easy to just understand that I don't even need to like go over anything else other than that. So that brings an end to today's podcast. Um, if you would like to show some support, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. My podcast is at JasonDM14, um, as well as if you're wanting to uh, give a, a donation towards some of the charity work that I'm doing, you can purchase uh, my most recent adventure. It's on the DMs Guild. It's at a, the DMs Guild, if you just type that into Google, and then you'll, you'll find uh, my most recent adventure is the Tomb of the Headstone Helm, which you can just pick up. It's completely free if you want it for free, but as well as um, if you've got any spare monies that you want to give towards helping me with my charity side of things that I'm doing, uh, all the money is going towards pretty much affording Zoom and, and letting me work with the kids, as well as um, it helps me pay for any sort of new stuff that we use, say, in Roll20 or any of the other books that are available to make sure that we've got all the reference stuffs that we need for when we're playing and they're absolutely loving it they're enjoying coming along we're playing every second week at the moment whenever everyone's available and we're having a great time uh, i think it's really fun they're currently going through a tomb that is designed around uh actually i don't want to say on here just in case any of them listen to this podcast nah if, if you do listen turn off now <laughs> uh, but if you don't uh so the tomb is designed around the, uh, the 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 actual headstone and the adventure that, that I'm kind of using to gain some money at the moment. The headstone has the ability to control all stone run about when the the person who has it is wearing it. So they have now created an entire dungeon, um, or or an extension to the dungeon, um, which was originally there under the ground that they've been pulled down into as well as uh, there's a whole load of other social situations that are going on so the the old part of the dungeon is currently occupied by uh, elves old elves who have seeked refuge in there but the the players don't know why yet as well as there also being a couple of lizard-like creatures that are just wandering about that the elves have requested the players go to and kill and get rid of. Now the players were just quite quick at running in and going, yeah, let's kill them. But there's going to be more going on there. Uh, none of that is in the actual tomb of the headstone helm <laughs> uh, book, but the, it was the precursor to the current adventure that the kids are on. But other, other than that, they're loving it. And we really do appreciate it all the, the money that we've raised so far and it's getting put to good use to make sure that the kids are having the best possible experience that they can get and they're getting the best opportunity that they can get to develop socially as well. So thank you again to everyone who has gave even just one cent towards those adventures. It is making a huge difference. Thank you. Um, other than that, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Take care, stay safe, and speak soon. Bye-bye.